Welcome to the Wealth Building Made Simple podcast with Philip Washington, Jr. Today's episode is brought to you by WealthBuildingMadeSimple.us. Today, Philip talks about the real economy. Philip Washington, Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now, here's Philip. We are back with another episode of Wealth Building Made Simple, brought to you by Stonehill Wealth Management, the wealth management firm where we help clients take their money today and send it into the future and keep it safe from confiscatory money devaluation. Second sponsor is WealthBuildingMadeSimple.us, which is our newsletter where we educate clients, not clients, educate people on like our thoughts about what's going on in the world in a deeper level than what we do here on the podcast. Check it out at WealthBuildingMadeSimple.com. Today, we were talking about understanding the real economy. And uh, I've, I've referenced this lots of times, but like one of the best I can't remember the book right now. I'm going to I'm going to get it for a second. Uh Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order is Ray Dalio's book, one of the best textbooks written about like how economies work. He has a 30-minute uh video on YouTube called How the Economic Machine Works, right? And I've read over my, you know, 20 years doing this being in finance and um I've read like every book on like uh um uh, not every book, but a big amount of books about like economies, currencies, bonds, interest rates, inflation, deflation. Um, And so the reason why I love that book and the 30-minute thing is he explains all the books that I read in the simplest way possible. Um, uh, And it's pretty on point. Like a lot of times some of these books are off point or they have some sort of bias like his book is written in the most unbiased way you can write it as a human being up to this point from my perspective uh and i think i pretty have i have a pretty uh, relatively unbiased perspective on that but like check it out if you want to go into details because he's pretty spot on right and just so you know like ray dalio is the guy that like central bankers around the world and government officials turn to for financial advice like he's your favorite financial advisor's financial advisor Right or your favorite bank, not even like because bankers are financial advisors to governments, the central bankers. So he's your favorite, like big bankers, you know, ad- advisor. So uh, pretty wise guy. But we'll touch on some important points. So uh, real economy, right? So um, let me first go in a perfect world, right? So people can understand like investing in a in a perfect world, uh, the productivity gains. Uh, and the interest rates uh, companies pay investors to capture those productivity gains would be equal, right? So in a perfect world where there's no risk, if we if we educated ourselves to a level where we can deliver goods and services cheaper and better, and let's say we measured that by 2%, if we said, hey, listen, we can lower the cost of making things so we can make more things in less time, 
uh, or make the same amount of things for a less cost, right? That's what productivity is. So if we can do that and and we can do it 2% better than what we can do, and there was no risk of doing it because our knowledge advanced as a species, so it was a 2% advantage, uh, then then we would borrow 2% from investors because it, there would be no risk. So we would, we would need no risk premium. So we would borrow and, and, and let's also figure out that we don't have, that's why I say in a perfect world, we don't have central banks manipulating the money. So there's no money manipulation. Then a, an entrepreneur can go borrow 2% from investors and then invest it into solutions that capture the productivity gains. And then it better society and the investors get paid for giving it 2%. Like that's that's in a perfect world how money will work, right? Side note, the best part about AI, like AI um, is great for like logic, right? Logic is not, like math is one part of logic, but logic is like thinking, a thinking process, right? Linear, you know, sort of linear thinking, right? A lot of if-thens. And so like, uh, you know, you can go, I, I like, I went to Google Bar and I said, hey, Google Bar, this is my understanding of money. You know, here's the situation, here's the logic, and it can feed you back. I say, yeah, your logic is actually pretty accurate, right? Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing what these things can do. So, so this logic has been tested with a super smart, I think Google Bards is the smartest one out there. So in a risk-free world, that's how it would be, right? Now, why is that important? Because we don't live in a risk-free world, and we live in a world where money's being manipulated, right? And you can think about manipulate, you know, um, there's lots of reasons for money manipulation, but money manipulation uh, creates lots of errors, right? Whenever you manipulate the money, it throws off the real interest rates. Um, uh, and, and you also have alongside that market participants who are, who are doing things that are trying to, um, everybody's trying to calculate, like, what are the productivity gains to be, to be had? Um, and then wh- what, it, what are the inflation rates? Um, that are going to be because governments are printing money for their own means and purposes, right? So you're navigating all that as an investor. So, but at the core, you have a real economy. Let's call that the true economy, and then you have the financial economy, right? So the so the real economy is where there's value, right? Where there's productivity, uh, and so it's a moving target. It never stands still, right? It's always moving. Um, Progress is always moving forward. The financial economy are the bets around where everything is is going, and it also includes uh, the effects of monetary manipulation, right? So financial economy creates lots of noise. Um, but when you're investing, the only thing that matters is capturing the returns of the real economy, right? Um, uh, so let me give an example. If, if you were investing, the reason why when you do evaluation on a company like, let me pick a, you pick a coal mining company. And if you were to value a coal mining company on the stock market right now with reasonable assumptions, you would see that the expected growth of a coal mining company over the next decade is negative, right? Because even even if it, even if there were nominal growth, right? Meaning, even if you said, "All right, this coal mining company is going to make a little bit of money every single year, right?" and or be flat, right? Uh, uh, 
after you factor in the effects of the financial economy or like money printing and inflation, it's going to be like really negative, right? Because it's no longer, the world is moving away from that, right? The world is moving away from coal, right? And so you could pick, you can look at all the old industries, like any um, taxi cab drivers, right? Th- their real economy return is negative. Uh, let's pick another one. Uh, cable TV providers, uh, negative. What else? Uh, legacy TV providers, because they're, you know, and radio, negative moving forward. What else is not growing, right? Anything that's not grow, like, like if you want to know what's likely going to be a negative real return uh, that's not part of the real economy, go look at what teens and 20-year-olds are doing and then project it out and then go, all right, if they're not doing these things, most likely that's going to be, that's, that's not the real economy. That's the old economy. Because because the people that appreciate it are like boomers, and they're not really spending that much, because uh, they're like in retirement, and so so you need the spending from the newer generations to create the real economy, and the real economy is always trending forward based on the preferences of the new generation, right? So I'm saying to say, you want to keep your eyes focused on the prize, right? And so how do you, how do you calculate it, like? I think about my investment returns more like an income statement. So I'll say, I'll say, if I if I expect this stock or this asset to grow at seven percent a year for the next decade, uh, but I expect the I expect the money to lose value that I'm investing in at thirteen percent a year. Then I'm losing five percent a year. I may have more money, and I said on my last podcast, I may have more money, but I have less purchasing power, right? So I'm not capturing any productivity gains. As a matter of fact, it's being sucked. My money is being sucked away from me by uh, governments who need to print money to keep the financial economy afloat to protect those who have built their net worths on top of the financial economy. And that's a whole conversation. Um, so, so I'm at a net loss. From an investment standpoint, so what I want to do is, the returns don't actually really matter. It's, it's, it's like it's like uh, it's like financial freedom. Like the amount of money doesn't really matter. The amount of money you make, what what makes you free financially is your ability to make your expenses less than your income and be happy with it. If your income is more than your expenses and you're happy, right? You're fine. You you're in a good place financially. If it's not, it, and it doesn't matter if you make a million dollars a month. Or five thousand a month, or two thousand a month, or ten thousand a month, right? You want to make those numbers add up um, financially to be to be comfortable. So, so same thing with your investments. You want your gross return uh, to be more than what we expect uh, the currency to lose value at. And so, last time I talked about real estate, but what's more important is like the actual rate of what money will be print printed. At likely, do people put some? So I was talking to a client about it, and they went, "Well, how do you know? How do you estimate that rate?" And I go, "Well, the debt growth rate. So money is created through debt growth, right? That's how money is created in the current system that we live in. So it's created through debt growth, and so you can get a good idea by saying, "All right, uh, how much has debt grown by our government?" which is the creator of the money 
over the I like to look at the last decade, right? How much of it has it grown over the last decade, right? And our debt growth for the government has grown at something like 10, 12% a year. Uh, and it's been getting um, you know, higher and higher, right, on a trend. And then and then you and then you look and then you go, all right, are they getting better at paying their bills or less or less good at paying their bills? Like our financial conditions worsening or getting better? Like they're worsening, right? So, so for me, I go twelve uh, percent is a good minimum to, to project that over the, la- over the next twelve years or over the next ten years. It's, it's probably going to be higher, but I know at least it's going to be twelve percent likely. That's a that's a reasonable expectation because in order to pay their bills, debt's going to need to grow at least at that rate that they're that they've been doing because they've been doing it and the bills haven't got paid. If, if they were if they were reinvesting the money productively, then you can estimate that maybe they'll have to do it less. But what is investing the money productively? To me, it would be in education and job training to transition the people that are not ready for the digital world for the digital world, right? Because that would solve the wealth gap problem, right? That would create higher paying jobs, more tax receipts, but that's not happening, right? The conversation they're having right now is blame and tax the rich, right? They're greedy. They're having they're 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 asking for money, f- from my perspective, for purposes that are not productive, right? So as a astute money person, I go, cool. Like they're still borrowing money and doing stupid shit with it. Fine, right? That lets me know pr- to project out and say. Hey, I'm gonna expect at least twelve percent a year, probably more, because because they're not changing their habits, right? And I'm not saying it's an easy job. Like I would never want to be in the government because there's a lot of stuff that it's just it's, I don't even it's it's tough to it's just tough, right? My point is, it is what it is. So I go cool. Like any investment that I invest in over the next decade needs to beat that growth rate twelve percent or more, right? Um. And so, so when I'm valuing opportunities, that is like, you know, I talked about the hurdle rate for real estate. I even think real estate is going to get eaten up by cost of living over the next decade because of the growing uh, money printing rate of debt creation um, that's needed, not just in America, but around the world. And so, um, and so the opportunities to invest in that are in the old economy are getting lower. Matter of fact, I, I don't see any old economy investments that make sense. Like all the opportunities that I see that make sense currently are new economy, right? It's the crypto, it's the Bitcoin, it's the AI, it's podcasting, it's new media, it's it's things that are uh, part of the real economy, which I call the current economy that a lot of people are not paying paying attention on. So so it's weeding out the noise and going anybody who is reliant on debt to juice returns and survive. Um, as a business model, is basically dead. They're part of the dead economy, right? The real economy is the new, new, right? The new stuff coming. Um, and so, like as a as an investment uh, person, I, I'm I think of myself like an underwriter, like an insurance actuary, and I go, cool. Like if I have a if I have a really good understanding of the future and the real economy. And I have a decade time frame, then I'm going, cool. Here's what I know. Most people don't do uncertainty. They don't like, they don't like change. And so I'm gonna provide a service to the market. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna invest money and I'm gonna keep my money invested 
through the volatility, through the up and down movements, right? So like an insurance company, when over the next decade, right, I know that most likely there are going to be three or four really bad years in my investment portfolio on my way to lots of money. And so I'm saying, though, and those bad years are created by people who get nervous and sell out because of some uncertainty about the future. They don't have the conviction that I have about where the world is going for whatever reason. So by me keeping my money invested, I keep the, I'm part of the people that are helping keep the train going and those who need to sell out will sell out to, you know, to us as we keep buying and keep holding. Um, And like, that's sort of like paying out and paying out a claim. Like, Hey, we'll pay out the claims in the bad years and then we'll keep the net premiums right over the next decade and make a lot of money because I'm firm on the vision. There's, I'm pretty much immovable on evolution and innovation because like it's a force that has shaped the universe, right? It's always evolving. It's always moving forward. The youth always bring in new ideas. I'm always going to invest in a new best economy, real new economy ideas. So like I'm all in, right? And I'm super optimistic and I'm very patient and I have super strong conviction. And so, uh, uh, as an investor, if you can under if you can wrap your mind around the difference between the real economy and the financial economy, and then you can build a plan and a portfolio around it, and then if you can have conviction, I, mean, I think the next decade is going to be like amazing, right? It's going to be bad for those who don't, and it's going to be great for those who believe. And I'm just trying to get more believers, right, to believe because I want everybody to come on the other side and make lots of money. So hope this helps. Until next week, enjoy yourself. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.